Well, it's a great day because we're on our last uh, session, I guess, of our series. It's been a good series, hasn't it? This is our God. Same, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I think it's a truth. If you just remember the title of the series, that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then that's a good thing. But I just wonder if for a minute you can, for those um, who haven't been here, then, I'm, then please just relax in this minute. I'd be interested for you just to turn to someone near you and tell them what is one of the things that you remember. Now, it just might be the title, that's fine. But there might be one thing that stood out to you from, I remember a few people said to me, eyes up. And they've remembered that particular message and what that means to keep your eyes up and not, not be distracted by what's around you, and that's really, that really stood out to them. I wonder if there's something that you can think of that has stood out to you in this series, because it's gone for about 10 weeks, so it's been a long series, but uh, just quickly for a minute, turn to a person next to you, and if you haven't been here, then someone might tell you, um, just something that stood out to you from these, this series. This is our God, yesterday, today, tomorrow, just 30 seconds. Okay, that's good. That was 30 seconds. Now, if you haven't finished talking about it, then talk about it later. That's good, all right? Because it's something worth remembering. There's been a lot of great teaching in this series. And I've actually gone back a few times and watched the teaching again online because it's been so profound and so helpful. And so it's been, we thank God for the way that his spirit has taught us from the word in these last week. It's been great, hasn't it? He's really opened our eyes to see new truths. Now, the lesson today is a very simple one. It's going to be really easy to, um, to hear, but in a way, it's simple, but I think that God is wanting me to speak this message today because he said, people forget this message. It's a message that we need to be reminded about all the time. It's simple It's not going to be something that you probably have never heard before, but it's probably something that we forget. And so God's saying, this is something I want you to remember. I'm reminding you of this because it's something I don't want you to forget. It's a truth that I want you to always keep in your heart and carry that as you walk through life. A few months ago, I was getting ready for work and and I try to um, usually get ready the night before because otherwise takes me too long to try and figure out what I've got to choose to wear. Lisa was saying the other day that she had clothes everywhere trying to figure out what to wear. Well, that can happen to me as well. And I go through and I think, what am I... So the night before, I try to figure this out. But that morning, I hadn't done it the night before I was up. And I decided on what I was going to wear. And then I had this prompting that I probably... You know, it was August. But remember how there was this sort of a hot spell in August this year? But I was sort of prompted that I might need a jacket. But the dress that I'd actually chosen... Uh, I have have a sort of a few jackets that I wear through winter, and the dress that I'd chosen actually didn't match with any of those jackets. And so I thought, I'll have to go to the other cupboards, to the old ones, because I hate throwing clothes out, and I'll have to go to the old one and um, see if I can find something that might match. And actually I did, I found a a jacket that matched and hadn't worn it for a long time, but I took it with me, and I did need it, as it so turns. That prompting was good that I listened to that. 
And uh, I was on the way home and I stopped at the supermarket to get some things. That doesn't happen very often, does it, Ian? He usually gets it. But this day I did and um, I, I was, I'd gone in. I just grabbed some money out of my purse. I didn't want to be carrying lots of things because I knew I was going to have to carry things back. So I thought, I'll just take some money. I'll go in. And I got to the uh, checkout after getting what I wanted, probably a few more things that I'd intended, and I didn't have enough money. And I didn't have my purse. So usually I'd have my, I'd just usually use the debit card, but I didn't have that either. And I was stuck there. And for some reason, I felt prompted to put my hand in my pocket and I had a $50 bill in there. I hadn't worn this jacket probably for a couple of years. And right at that minute, I, I don't know why I put, except that I believe, you know, but I felt prompted to put my hand in my pocket and I had enough to be able to pay for it. And I wasn't embarrassed and I was able to go out and I just thought, thank you, God. Some people might say, oh, you were lucky. Or what a coincidence. You just happened to have that in your, in, in your, in your coat pocket from before. You know, I believe that every day miracles occur. Every day. But we don't recognize them. I believe that God is at work in our lives every day and we often miss it. We, many people think of it as luck. They think, gee, that was lucky, or what a coincidence. But I believe God is saying to us this morning, I want you to remember that I'm at work in your life every day. And it's never coincidence, and it's never luck when I'm at work in your life. It was interesting, um, Mark's not here this morning, but Mark Rzewski's been involved in Gideon's International, and I was reading a story the other day about how it started. It's a really interesting story. In 1898, there was this man called John Nicholson, and he was going, uh, he was in Wisconsin in U the USA, and uh, it was nine o'clock at night, and he needed a bed in a hotel, and all the hotels were booked out, and he went to this final hotel, and uh, they said, look, we have one bed, but it's in someone else's room. Now, in those days, evidently, they would then rent that, or, you know, like, uh, give that bed out. And so um, he said, are you willing to go into the room? And he said, yes, I'm, I need a bed. So uh, he went in late at night into this room, <laughs> this stranger's room, to get the other bed. And um, he, he got into bed, and he had the bed lamp on and took out his Bible to read his Bible before he went to sleep. And... The man, other man woke up and um, he looked across and he said, oh, look, I'm sorry, do you mind if I just, I just need to read the Bible before I go to sleep. When, when I was 19 years, of old, uh, sorry, 19 years old, my mother died and I promised her that I would read the Bible every night. And so I just need to do this and then I'll go to sleep. I'll turn the light out. And, and his name was Samuel Hill and he said, look, I'm a Christian too, read it aloud. So he was reading John 15, and he read it out, and then they actually both got up and knelt down by their beds and prayed together. And then after that, they stayed talking till 2 a.m. about the needs of Christians who travel. And out of that came Gideon's International, which today puts a, a Bible in every hotel room in the world. Right around the, out of that, you know... Full hotel, one spare bed in someone else's room, the unseen hand of God at work. And out of that 
became something that is profound. The word of God has been sown across the world. God is at work all the time in ways that often we don't notice. But we need to open our eyes and we need to see what he's doing. We need to see that he is at work in our lives, that he loves us more than anything else. He loves us and he is at work. He is good. It doesn't mean our circumstances are always good because we live in a broken world. As we sang earlier, broken pieces. But he loves us and he can take the brokenness of this world and make it whole. And he will work in our lives for the good of those who love him. So the story, the final story we're going to look at today is, um, you might wonder, well, Pam, why are you going to sort of focus on this story? There's no real miracle in it. There's, um, There's not any profound incident or significant person there's no prophetic word in this, in this story. But I believe it's because God wants to remind us of this truth. That he is at work in the world. That he is working for our good. And that he will never fail us or forsake us. So let's look to 2 Kings chapter 8. 2 Kings chapter 8. If you follow with me, I'm going to actually um, break... The reading down, there's only six verses, so that's not too much, but I'm actually going to read it in um, parts and just reflect on it as I read. The first one is 2 Kings 8, verses 1 to 3. Years before, Elisha had told the woman whose son he had brought to life, leave here and go, you and your family, and live someplace else. God has ordered a famine in the land. It will last for seven years. The woman did what the holy man told her, and left. Now, it's interesting that God had told this woman to go through Elisha. And what she did was she obeyed. She obeyed unquestioningly and immediately. Now, it would be interesting because there was no famine in the land at this time. Her, her land was doing really well. Her kitchen was full. Her crops were going great. And God's saying, leave all of this, everything that's good, and go. Now, I I wouldn't have blamed her if she said, but God, why now? Why do I have to go now? Why don't I just wait to see how things pan out? And maybe when, you know, there's a bit of an economic downturn, then I'll leave and go then. (laughs) But the fact is, God knows what's best. And, you know, sometimes we're happy to obey God when things are going bad for us, when God tells us, you know, things are a big mess and he tells us something and that's going to make things better. We're happy to obey then because we know that that'll that'll improve situations. But how ready, how unquestioning are we to obey when things are going great? And God's actually taking us out of what's great to we don't even know where. And this lady, that's exactly, she didn't know where she was going. But it's interesting that this lady from 2 Kings 8 is the same lady of 2 Kings 4, the woman of Shunem. Do you remember that lady? She was the woman that offered her home to Elisha and gave him lodging and food and and looked after him. And then God spoke to Elisha and said, this lady has had no children and I'm going to give her a son. And then out of the blue, Elisha tells this woman of Shunem that she's going to have a son. 
miraculously, amazingly. I think even that in itself just shows us that we sometimes, we need to give, not sometimes, all the time. We need to give without necessarily that God has answered everything that we want. We need to be willing to be generous and to give even when we're not always getting everything that we want because God has the best plan for us and he will work it out. And so this woman was given a son and her son was actually with her at this time. You see that her son was with her in this story. Not only that, a little later in that story back in chapter 4, the son actually died. And Elisha was, through the power of God, brought him back to life. He laid on him and life was restored through the power of God, through Elisha. Incredible miracles. And here now this woman is uh, being told to leave the land that she has and go and God would make way for her. I think God is also showing us here that, that he looks after us our whole life. It's not just like this one-off miracle and then... You're on your own. God is with us all the time. And so this woman knew God is good. And so she actually was able to say, you know, if God's telling me to go, I'm not going to question. I know how good God is. I know he looks after me. And so I'm not going to question what he asked me to do. I'm going to obey and I'm going to go now. And that's exactly what she did. Now let's go to uh, verse 3. Actually, verse 2, sorry. If I can go back to that. So the woman did as the man of God instructed. She took her family and settled in the land of Philistia for seven years. Now she's coming back. After the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines and she went to see the king about getting back her house and land. Now, the interesting thing is what has happened while she's away is that someone else has taken possession of her home and her land. And they are now getting, because she'd been away seven years, the famine has ended, she's coming back. And you imagine if you'd gone away for a while, you come back, someone else is living in your home. Someone else has your land and your crops and everything. How are you going to feel about that? Your first, I think your first reaction is, I want to get it back. This is mine. This, this is, I had to leave this because of the famine, but now that I'm coming back. And so here she is thinking, what am I going to do? Now, I think it's important here to note, as we said before, that this woman had lived generously towards others before this. And I think the way that we live our life has an impact on what happens in our life. And God calls us to live generously towards others. And if we want to live selfishly and to ourselves, we'll reap what we sow. But this woman had lived generously. She'd been willing to give of her resources. She'd been willing to sow into other people's lives. And so now she's coming back and she's going to trust God that he will look after her. She doesn't necessarily know if she's going to get a land back or not, but she's going to trust God in this situation. So she decides that she's going to go to the king and ask for her... um, home and her farm. Now, this king was not well known for being kind or fair or benevolent. And so I can imagine she would have felt a little bit stressed about having to go before him because she was going to say, look, this has been taken from me, really not rightfully so. And this king probably wouldn't care less. 
he, he wouldn't have much time. And so for her to go up to him would have taken a lot of courage. But I think that when we are obedient and we trust God, that gives us courage. I think it gives us boldness because we aren't relying on ourselves and our own knowledge of the situation. We're trusting God Almighty and his understanding and his interpretation of the situation. I mean, just imagine how you would feel if when you came back from being away for a time, you come back to your home, someone's living in it, someone has your identity, and you've got to ask a crooked politician to try and help you sort this out. You may not feel that confident about it. But there's a verse in Hebrews 6.10 that says, God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers. And so when she'd extended hospitality towards Elisha, she'd made a good investment and now we see God's faithfulness towards her. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. The king was talking with Gehazi, servant to the holy man, saying, Tell me some stories of the great things Elisha did. It so happened that as he was telling the king the story of the dead person brought back to life, the woman whose son was brought to life showed up, asking for her home and farm. Gehazi said, My master, the king, this is the woman, and this is her son whom Elisha brought back to life. Wow, it just so happened that at that very moment that Gehazi was telling the king this story, it just so happened, question mark, that in walks the woman, the very woman that he's talking about, this amazing story. And you can think, gee, that was lucky that she turned up at that time. Or you can see the providential hand of God at work in her life, the faithfulness of God at work in that lady's life. And if you believe that God is good and that's his nature, then you'll never believe that it just so happened for her or for you. I don't believe that it just so happened that I had $50. I don't think God put the $50 when I wasn't watching. I mean, he might have, but I don't think he did. But I did do think that early in that morning, he prompted me to go and get a jacket and he knew, he knew exactly which jacket had the money in the pocket. And I believe that while he does, I don't necessarily ask him every morning about the clothes that I should wear, but maybe I should, then um, that, he, that he prompted me to think about this and to get something that would help me later in the day. I don't think it just so happened. I don't think it just so happened that John Nicholson was put into that bed in that hotel in Wisconsin with Samuel Hill and out of that Gideon's International, which takes the word of God around the world, I don't think it just so happened that he was there. That was the providential hand of God at work, bringing about his purposes, outworking his plan for this earth and for people in this world. I was reading the story about a Salvation Army officer, a lady who was an English lady, and she was traveling to Ghana to speak. And she um, was, had gone two days early so that she could prepare before she got there. And she was at the airport, and she went to, uh, and presented her ticket, and the clerk behind the desk said, look, I'm sorry, but you need a visa. And she said, but it's a Commonwealth country. Why would I need a visa? And he, she said, well, you do. 
And she said, there's nothing I can do. You cannot board the plane without a visa. And she said, well, what do I have to do? She said, you'll have to go to the embassy and get one. And you're not going to make this plane. Now, we will try and um, put you, we will try and facilitate you by putting you on another plane. But the visa will probably take about four days. And she thought to herself, four days, I've got to speak in two. What am I going to do? She thought, well, I'm not going to get on the plane, so I'll have to go to the embassy. So she went to the embassy, and uh, while she was there, she, was sit- she walked in, and she went over to the clerk, and the clerk said, take a number. And she looked around the room, and it was packed full of people. And the clerk said, she said, look, I really, she said, take a number. And so she did, she had to do that, and she took it, and then went and sat down. And she's sitting there thinking, God, what am I going to do? How am I going to get there to preach in two days? And in walked a Ghanaian official as she was sitting there wondering what she was going to do. And he saw the Salvation Army uniform and he went over to her and he was, he was intrigued and he, and he said to her, you know that my grandfather started the Salvation Army in Ghana. And she said, oh, you mean, I'll read this because I'm not that good at um, Amawaka Atta, King Hudson, do you mean him? <laughs> and, she, and the guy said, do you know about him? And she said, yes, I know. I've read all about what he's done and the impact he had in that country through the Salvation Army. And uh, he said, like, he was just amazed by that. And he started to walk off and he said, oh, well, why are you here? And she said, oh, well, I need to get a visa. I've forgotten to do that and I've got to, I've got to go there to speak. And um, he said, oh, well, come with me. And in four minutes, she had a visa. She was back to the plane and on it able to go to Ghana. Coincidence that that guy walked in at that time and Salvation Army uniform and recognised it? No. That's the providential hand of God at work. He's at work in our lives all the time. We just have to open our eyes and see him. Let's not miss, you know, people are wanting miracles. God's doing miracles every day. But we miss it because we don't open our eyes to see that it's God at work. And so often we think, oh, that was lucky. Or we think, what a coincidence. It's never a coincidence when God is at work in your life. It's never a coincidence. It's the mighty hand of God himself at work in you, working out the best for you. And he says in his word, his promise, and we need to take him at his word and believe him. He says he will work all things together for good for those who love him. It doesn't say that everything we have will be good. He said he will work it. Good. Let's now go to the final verse, verse 6. The king wanted to know all about it. This is now after Gehazi has told him about this lady. And so the woman of Shunem, she told him the story. The king, remember what it was like, the king assigned an officer to take care of her, saying, Make sure she gets everything back that's hers, plus all profits from the farm from the time she left. Until now. The king actually not only sort of made a way to get her land and and home back, he he assigned an officer to make sure it happened. He was going to make sure there was no red tape here. He was going to get her through just like four minutes for the visa. Make sure she gets back everything that's hers plus. Isn't that what God's like? God is an incredibly generous God. He's a giving God. He's a plus God. Do you agree? He's a God who goes above and beyond all that we can ask or even imagine. 
That's what God is like. And he's saying, get it back, plus all the profits that were made while she was away. So she's lost nothing. She's come back and been restored. And that's what God's like. He is a God of restoration. And you can think, even when you stray from God, you can think you've lost. But God says, no, I love you. I will restore to you the years that the locust has stolen. That's what it says in his word. He will restore to us what has been taken by the enemy. He's such a gracious and generous and loving God. Even when we haven't done the right thing, he still restores to us. What a great God. Why wouldn't we trust him? Why wouldn't we open our eyes to see him at work? And I think that when we're obedient, we can have an expectant spirit. When we obey and do what God says, we can expect God to work in a way that will blow our minds. We can expect it. That's what God's like. I don't mean expect in a way like, well, you're going to do this for me. Not that sort of expectation. But the expectation of a holy, mighty God at work in my life because he loves me. Never doubting the goodness of God, but knowing that he is at work in every circumstance, working for the good of those who love him. In the Psalms it says, our times are in his hands. And the Bible teaches that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He's taking care of everything. Jesus said that the hairs of our head are numbered. Now, we have about 100, well, not everybody, but um, about 100,000 hairs on our head. Sorry, Mark. And, um, you know, God is so concerned about us. Now, I've never counted the hairs on my head. Tina, have you ever counted the hairs on your kids' head? No. Do you love your children? Absolutely. Yet, she hasn't counted the hairs on their head, but she loves them, and we know that. But God does. He knows us so intimately that he counts the hairs on our head. He knows every detail about me. And he cares. He cares. He loves me. And so we can trust him that he's going to order and arrange and lead and guide us and work all things for good. And what will happen is our lives will become a daily series of miracles. And his care can be seen in the so-called coincidences that occur every day. God, in his grace, orchestrates apparently random incidents and events into our lives, into a series of everyday miracles. Do you believe that? You've got a miracle-working God who loves you and is working these miracles out for you in your life. And so with that truth resounding in our hearts and our minds, our series comes to a conclusion, a great truth, simple. But God says, remind, remember this, remember this truth. Don't forget how I work in your life for your good. But, you know, I just couldn't finish without reflecting on God's promise to Elisha of a double portion. Remember at the beginning, we started out where Elijah had um, Elisha had been like Elijah's apprentice. And when Elijah was going to die, he, he asked God for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And God promised that he would have that. And so I was looking to the end of this story, and there's a problem. He died one 
miracle short. Elijah did seven major miracles and Elisha had done 13. So I guess if you're a glass half full person, you'd say, well, 13 miracles, that's pretty good. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be too worried about that. One off, you know, he's done six more than Elijah. Or if you're glass half empty person, you'd be saying, well, he missed out on it, didn't he? Didn't get the double portion at all. If you look over to 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 21, this is the final record of Elisha's life. Once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. Hallelujah, that's right. When the dead man hit the bones of Elisha, he came to life. Miracle number 14. A double portion. The devil may have thought that he robbed Elisha of that promise, but never, never will God's promise be robbed or taken from us. He is faithful to the end. And we must trust him. And Elisha's, the great thing is that Elisha's dream did not die with him. It was alive. And that's the sort of God we serve. Elisha's bones imparted life. A resurrection took place. And I think this was a preview of all that's to happen for us as Christians. When we die in Jesus, the downward pull of death is overcome by the upward pull of resurrection power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.